Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Hello and welcome. I hope you're all good. hope you've had a lovely Sunday. Why don't you just start by um, turning to the people around you, welcome them, tell them hi, tell them they're looking well. <laughs> looking good, Dixie. <laughs> um, so yes, it is great to be back. Great to be back another uh, Sunday night um, where we're doing these, these Seek First Nights. Um, and in case you don't know, um, before these nights we've been doing baptisms um, so there was another successful baptism, and uh, Phil just told me there, actually, um, some good news to start us off. He was saying he was able to actually delete a, a six-year-old boy to, to Jesus there, so come on. <laughs> More of that. Um, and that's what these nights are all about. We're here to seek first. We're here to seek first the kingdom, seek first Jesus. And we're here to actually encounter Jesus uh, with Sunday Vital, actually. Robbie's been doing a program with them, and it's been about the encounters of Jesus, and I was on this morning, and uh, it's just so cool to, to be week in, week out, reading about seeing how Jesus changes people's lives. That's what he does. When you encounter Jesus, your life changes. So we're really excited for tonight. We're really expectant for tonight, and we want God to move, and we want us to be ready and open for that. So why don't we just start off um, by asking the, the Holy Spirit to come, by welcoming him, being still here, and just taking a moment to invite the Holy Spirit so come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We are here for you. We welcome you in this place. We, we recognize as well that this is Halloween night, and it would be easy to, to maybe press into some of that, because it's a night where we can be remind, reminded of the dark or the evil, but tonight we want to remember Jesus. And what I've been drawn to all week is is just to bring us to, to the place of, of understanding who Jesus is, the holiness of Jesus, the magnitude, the glory, the size of, of who he is. And I, I was brought to Isaiah to start. And, uh, and Isaiah 6, it says, In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy. If we jump to the book of Revelation... John 2 has a picture of the throne room. And it says, From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles and peals of thunder. 
in front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing, and these are the seven spirits of God. And also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And likewise in Isaiah, there was flying seraphim with six wings, and they too, day and night, never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come was and is and is to come it's good tonight to remember the holiness of Jesus to be caught up in awe and wonder and reverence of who he is and you see as these seraphim called out and cried out holy holy is Jesus it led a response to the 24 elders they fell down on their faces and they worshipped and they said you are worthy our Lord and God, who receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. See, when we come to the throne room, when we come before Jesus, it makes us fall on our faces and worship him. So God, I pray that, that this will be your throne room as we lift you up. <laughs> Let our hearts even be the throne rooms for Jesus, for you are on the throne. We lift your name up in this place. We lift your name up over Lurgan, even right now, God. We say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He was and is and is to come. Fill this place with your glory. Fill this town with your glory. Let it overflow, just as your robe fills the temple, Lord. Fill our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Let's stand, will we? Powerful words there that Ryan spoke. We've so much to be thankful for, haven't we? Who's ready to worship the Lord? Harry is anyway. Come on, Harry. And a night that's a celebrate darkness let's celebrate the king of kings and the lord of lords because he is worthy of our praise he is worthy
God, we just want to raise a shout. God, we want to raise a shout of hallelujah in this place tonight. Just raise a shout of hallelujah in here tonight. Come on.
praise you, Lord. How beautiful you are. You're worthy. Yeah. 
Um, it's, it's beautiful just to be able to worship God, isn't it? And a night that celebrates darkness and all of that. And um, I'd just love us to continue to do that at the moment. If you want to sit down just for a moment or two to rest your body, we'll jump up and worship again in a moment. But I think there's just something special about lifting the name of Jesus. And um, over the last number of months, um, the Lord has really been impressing upon me the journey of some of the saints in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And the little word that keeps coming, popping up to me in the, as I read these stories is the word endurance. People who endured. We don't talk an awful lot about it in a sort of a day and age when we like things quickly. We live in a day of fast food and things we want things to happen quickly and so waiting isn't a very popular word and uh, yet the bible tells us that wait upon the lord they will renew their strength and they'll rise up with wings as eagles and run and not be weary and walk and not faint that's the last verse of isaiah 40 verse 31 so there's something about waiting on the Lord. And the waiting on the Lord is not an armchair wait. It's not a, it's not a let's relax on our sun lounger and wait for God to move. It's an active wait. It's not an armchair wait. It's a, it's a, a working and waiting. And so I look at people like Jacob of old. I look at how 20 years of, of striving to make a name for himself God has to 
isolate him over the river Jabbok and um, wrestle with him to the point of exhaustion, to the point where he would change his name, change his destiny, fill him with his presence. I look at people like Moses who tried to take matters into his own hands and ended up killing the guy, going out into the wilderness for 40 years. God changing him into the person he wanted to be. And um, if you're like me, maybe even if for those of you who are a little older in the room tonight, you will remember words and promises and sometimes you actually think, where, where did that promise go? Where has it fallen to the ground? Because it never maybe has come to fruition. And um, I wish somebody had told me this 40 years ago that the the actual promise and the activation of the promise are most likely very different times. That the time you get the promise and the time you have to wait and endure and work um, self-sacrificially sometimes. And for some of you in the room, I just sensed tonight as we were worshiping, for some in the room maybe even who have given up on the promise, I'd love to challenge you tonight not to give up. As long as there's breath in your body, I don't care if you're six or 60 or nine or 90, whatever. Little Jude came in tonight to the baptism and he came up to me and he said, he's six years of age. I got saved when I was six. He says, Uncle Phil, can you teach me how to pray? I said, yeah, I'd love to teach you how to pray. What would you like me to teach you to pray? And he says, I'd love you to teach me how to ask Jesus into my heart. Boom. That's just something about that, isn't there? When a child in childlike faith just says, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. And I think the story that captivates me most is the story of David and the ark. When he um, brings the presence of God, which the ark represented the presence of God. The Philistines just stole it and stolen it and he gets the opportunity to bring it back and there's a little bit of national acclaim with it it's going to make a name for him it's going to help his sort of status quo in the community and he he puts the Ark of the Covenant on a cart probably brand new cart I would imagine it was a pretty cool cart probably latest model alloy wheels you name it, probably was the best of the best. And he starts to bring that back into Jerusalem and it hits a bump on the road. And um, the bump on the road unsettles the presence of God. And if ever our world was in a moment that has hit a bump on the road, our world has hit a bump on the road. And um, and I think the reason it has hit a bump on the road is it has mishandled the presence of God. Um, and there comes moments in time I think there are strategic moments in time when I look back through history there are certain periods of time that are longer than actually we care to think of that in some shape or form God winks at it the Bible talks about it. it's like almost like God doesn't take it under his notice but he does and then there are certain times strategic moments in history 
that you just don't get away with it anymore. And I think we're living in one of those moments. I think the church is living in one of those moments that we're just not going to get away with some of the stuff that we've gotten away with. And um, the fact that sometimes we can do this without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit because we just got so good at it. And we can put on a slick show. And that's what David had done. He'd put on a bit of a slick show. But what he'd done was he had tried to bring the presence of God down to uh, make it relevant, as it were. So he brings the presence of God right down into the midst of the people on a cart, sort of just here. It's just here. You could touch it with your hand, but the problem is you were never supposed to touch it. And um, when it hits the bump on the road, Uzzah, the story tells us, puts his hand out. Um, 2 Kings 6 tells you this, or 1 Chronicles 13. And he puts his hand out to steady the cart or to steady the ark because it's about to fall. And, of course, the anger of God is um, thrown out and Uzzah loses his life. And David goes into depression, as it were. The ark gets parked at a place um, called Obed-Edom. And um, it sits in Obed-Edom for three months. And they just get blessed. The presence of God brings blessing, you see. And they just get blessing after blessing after blessing. There one day, David thinks, wow, all this blessing. Actually, if you read the story, you'll find that the inhabitants of Obed-Edom probably never left the ark after them. It looks like they actually came with it when it eventually did come to Jerusalem. They actually went with it <clears throat> to guard it and to serve the presence of God. They got When you get used to living in the presence of God, you see nothing else you can do. There's no substitute for the presence of God. There's no... Um, there is no makeup stuff that can cover that up. And so what David realizes is he realizes that um, he calls the Levites of old, who, and the job of the Levites was to carry the presence of God. And what they did was to put the poles through the Ark of the Covenant and they hoisted it onto their shoulders, high above everyone. So no matter where you were in that crowd of people, actually it tells us that David took 30,000 men to get it and wherever you would have been in that 30,000 gathering you could have seen it because it was high on the shoulders of the Levites and it went out in front and David got every instrument that he could think of and those instruments played loudly and every six steps he sacrificed an animal to the Lord every six steps think of the gore and the guts and the blood of that but every six steps, such was the revere, such was the honor as he brought this back into um, the city. And when he got back, he was obviously, he had got down to his undergarments. And here he is, the king of Israel, and he's dancing. He's so elated that the presence of God is here. And he's thinking, nothing short of this will do. And he's elated and he's his coat off and he's in his undergarments in some shape or form and he's dancing and his wife, Michael, looks out the window and says, he is an idiot. She's disgusted with him. And because she did that, actually the Lord struck her barren till the day of her death. 
So I'm saying all that to say to you that I think we're living in a moment. I think we're living in a day when God is calling the church across the world, and I know he's calling this church to raise the presence of God again. Not any make-believe, not anything that might look um, in any shape or form like it, but that we would raise, that we would... And sometimes to do that, you can imagine these Levites, as they lifted this off the ground, they would have to, they would have to bend their knee. They would have to get down and under that rod. They would get the rod on their shoulder and then they would hoist the presence of God up into the space where it could be seen, where it would go before, it would go above, and it would go before. And I'm challenged about that at the moment. I'm challenged about it in our church, but I'm desperately challenged about it in my own life. Am I hoisting the presence of God above everything else in my life? Or is there stuff that just has crept in, busyness, all of the things that can come in and take the place? And I love these stories of old. I love how Moses said, God, I'm, I'm just not going unless you go with us. We are not going unless you go. Previous in that chapter, the Lord had said to Moses, I'll send an angel with you. Moses says, no, no, no. I'm not going with an angel. Most of us would have been happy with an angel, wouldn't we? He says, I'm not going unless your presence goes with us. And eventually God says, okay, my presence will go with you. So I'd love just to pray that over you tonight as a church. I'd love us just to be sensitive to the presence of God. We're not just doing this for a cool thing to do on Halloween night or the last night of the month that we do this. This is something that we want to revere the King of Kings, to lift him high, to exalt him. And there's something about worship in which we do that as we intercede in our worship and we lift the the name of glory of, of, of the Lord high. The glory of God begins to come. I remember some years ago doing a little exercise around this. If you have a strong concordance, if you have a paperback strong concordance, you should try this and not just take my word for it. But you could look up the word anointing. And if you look up the word anointing, now anointing is a very powerful thing. The Bible actually says the anointing breaks the yoke. And so we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Those of us who preach, if you preach without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it's just dry words. Those of us who lead worship, we lead worship without the Holy Spirit. It's just a song. If you pray without the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, it's just babbling. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And what the anointing does is the anointing actually empowers our flesh. So the anointing comes and empowers our flesh um, to do what we need to do. And I remember looking up the anointing in Strong's Concordance, and, it's, and my big Strong's Concordance is like a, like a four-inch block. And um, um, there's one column. I don't know how many references it is, but there's one column. And then I looked up the glory of God. You should do this, you see. And it's just column after column after column after column that the glory of God is mentioned in the scripture. And you see what the glory does, the glory doesn't empower flesh, the glory flattens flesh. When the glory of God comes, flesh needs to get out of the road. And any time you see the glory of God coming in scripture, people usually fell before it. That's what happened when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. His glory, they fell. The very presence of the glory of God. 
And so my prayer is that as a church in these days, as we hit November 2021, may the glory of God come again. Because the glory will bring revival. The glory will bring renewal. The glory will flatten flesh flat on his face. So God, that's our prayer. And as we continue to worship tonight, Lord, I just pray that your presence will come. Lord, I pray that each of us will, will even think right now how we're handling the presence of God in our homes. Are we handling the presence of God in our habits? How are we handling the presence of God in our jobs and our vocations? God, may we stop trying to make you just relevant. We remember how the psalmist could say, come magnify the Lord with me. And the the word magnify doesn't mean when you say, when you look through a magnifying glass, it doesn't make things bigger. You can't make God bigger. But when you magnify God, you begin to see him bigger. And some of us just need to begin to see him bigger. So God, that's our prayer tonight. Would you come? May we become people who carry your presence well. May we become people who honor your presence, who are not like um, just trying to make it relevant and cool, but will exalt the name of Jesus. Come, let us exalt the name of Jesus together. just to stand together let's continue to worship and maybe just asking God like Moses of old God show me your glory show me your glory he's done it you see he's done it in the face let's stand together he's done it in the face of Jesus Christ that's the most incredible thing and um, tonight it would be great just to honour and exalt the name of Jesus over this town over Portadown over our city and say God you are all in all Let's worship together.
going to continue worshiping um so i don't want to really break the flow of this you can stay standing even for a moment um 
But just since we've come in tonight, Phil has shared some thoughts there and uh, about the presence of God, and which remind us and orientated us and anchor us in the presence of God. <clears throat> but, but even before Phil shared those thoughts tonight, I felt like as we started the worship, there was a real atmosphere of victory. Yeah, an, an atmosphere of praise in the house. And, uh, you know, it's no surprise. I was thinking, um, this was says in Psalm 8, chapter 2. Out of the mouth of babes and infants. Listen, out of the mouth of babes and infants. A little boy, six years old today, asked the Lord Jesus into his heart. Right? An infant. And what, what, what happens? Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength. Or you have established a stronghold of praise because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger and so the the world tonight is thinking about or celebrating in many ways strongholds of darkness do you know what it's easier to establish a stronghold of praise than it is to establish a stronghold of darkness and all it takes get this all it takes is a little babe or infant to say the name of Jesus on their lips and strongholds of praise. And so the, the enemy wants to intimidate tonight. The enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy. And darkness is out there and darkness is evil and darkness can feel intimidating and, and, and dark and threatening and all those things. But, you know, we, we are here to establish a stronghold of praise and there's, there is victory in this house tonight. You can reach out and grab it if you want, you know, and I don't know what's going on in your life or what where you need victory, but I'm pretty sure that each and every one of us could do with victory at some level, whether it's in our health or our, our sickness in our bodies or whether it's in our family or our finances or our minds or situations and circumstances, we could, we could do with some victory. And if we can see it in our lives, we, we can carry an atmosphere of victory into a world that's never needed hope and, and victory more than more than ever and God, God is building let you know I just think it's really important to remind us tonight that let's not take what we have for granted in this room it is it is a stronghold of victory the victory of Jesus and and so before we worship again hopefully you maybe got a little communion cup if, if you just we'll keep the lights off if that's okay but if you, if you want to sit down to do this feel free if you want to stand you can but just 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 in the quiet for a moment we'll just, we'll just bring the music down for a wee moment because we're, we're gonna we're gonna continue to praise victoriously all right tonight but what we're going to remember is this victory that we feel in this place tonight and hopefully you feel it it's not our victory <laughs> it's nothing to do with our good works. It's nothing to do with the, with, with the church Emmanuel in that sense. It's nothing to do with our slickness or our excellence. It's very, it's nothing to do with that. This victory that we're talking about is the victory of the person of Jesus. Because you see, um, once you work out how to get the bread out, okay, of, the, of, the, of these little things, all right, um, right and, and the juice that we're going to take, what, what, what they remind us of what they remind us of is the victory of Jesus. Because you see, when Jesus was on the cross, you see, it didn't look like a victory. In fact, there's nothing that looks less victorious 
than a Jewish carpenter's son. Naked, bleeding, marred more than any man. Think about that for a moment. Think what it must be like to see a man marred more than any man has ever been marred. A back whipped so badly that the writers could only describe it like a ploughed field. And then think about all the people that stood around the cross and they hurled insults. You're the son of God. Sure, save yourself. You said you were a prophet. You can't even save yourself. Spitting up into his face. Hurling insults. There's nothing that looks victorious about that. But you see, this is the, the wisdom of the cross. It's foolishness to the world. If you think about it logically in a sense, or in worldly ways, or in worldly power terms, it doesn't really make sense. But what we believe as Christians and what the Holy Spirit has made clear to us is that when Jesus hung on that cross and that evil did its worst than Jesus, he drained evil of its power. It, like everything that evil could do was done on Jesus. And so for three hours in darkness, Jesus dealt with all of that. And then there was one point when he said, it is finished. It's finished. Every consequence and power of sin in those moments, Jesus dealt with on the cross. And his body went into the grave. But the grave couldn't hold him. And Jesus, having paid in full for sin and all its consequences in the world, the love that put him on the cross was too strong to be contained in the grave. <laughs> and on that dark Sunday morning, the first pinpricks of light, light started to shine. <laughs> and the, the ground started to rumble because love would not be held back. And Jesus came out of the grave for the victory of the love of God for all humanity and for the renewal of all creation. <laughs> right? And so our stories get caught up in this great story. And so the victory that we're going to shout about and sing about again in a moment, we already have been, but we're going to we're going to go again. <laughs> We're going to declare this over our lives. We're going to just remember in these moments that it's the victory of Jesus that we celebrate because the spirit that was in Jesus that raised him from the dead is the spirit, if you know Jesus, that is now in here. And so to, tonight, if you, can't, if you can't hold that back, if that causes you to get out of the row that you're sitting on, and go in some, some appropriately socially distanced way, jump around, whatever that looks like, right? You might need to do that because it makes utter sense to me that if the all-powerful God's presence lives in you, that sometimes your body can't hold it in 
That makes complete sense to me. If you weep tonight uncontrollably because the all-loving God has got a hold of your life and revealed his all-love and it does something in your heart that you can't hold it in, that makes complete sense to me because it's the power of God in our mortal bodies. So let's just take a moment. If, you, if you've taken communion already, that's fine. But if you haven't, let's just take the bread and let's take the cup together and just remember the sacrifice of Jesus and the victory that we're remembering and we're singing about tonight. Jesus when you've taken communion why don't you stand with me here's what I would love you to do um, some, sometimes I was away over the weekend and somebody said something that really spoke to me about how when God speaks God acts so God's word and God's action are linked together and sometimes when God speaks to us, we, we should act because the words spoken and the action are the same thing. And so sometimes responding to God is a very clear sign that God has spoken to us. And just so just in a very simple way, what I would just love us to do as we, as we continue to press in a worship, if you, if you have something in your life tonight that you, you want to declare the victory of Jesus on, I, I would just love to encourage you to move from where you are why don't you just, why don't we fill even the aisles or if you want to come to the front, we don't have loads of space and if we keep sort of spaced out, that would be good. But just in these moments, if you feel, or, or even you just want to go to the back because we're just going to worship and we're just going to proclaim the, the worthiness of Jesus and his sacrifice over his lives. And so just as I pray, if, you, if you're feeling that the Spirit is just starting to speak to you, if there's something you want to proclaim, the victory of, this is a stronghold of praise tonight, right? This is a stronghold of victory, okay? And so let's, um, let's reach out and grab it and appropriate that victory to our lives, okay? So as I pray, if you want to move, why don't you move and just begin to proclaim as we sing more tonight about the victory of Jesus. Lord, we love you tonight in this place. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, we thank you that the work of the cross, while foolishness to the world, is the wisdom of God. And to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so, God, in this place tonight, Lord, we want to declare your victory, Jesus. We want to declare right into the heavenly realms and over every principality and power that it is 
finished. That Jesus, you have died and that you have rose again and that you have ascended into the throne of heaven and that you are ruling and that you are reigning over it all and that you are making everything God new. And one day you're coming back again, Jesus, to renew the whole earth. And Lord, even today, as all of earth groans, and of all his creation groans towards that day, we join in, God, and we say, come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come and establish your kingdom on this earth, come and establish your victory on this earth. And so, God, I just pray in this room tonight for every situation and every circumstance. God, I want to pray for every troubled mind. Speak the victory of Jesus. God, I want to pray for every sick body. Speak the victory of Jesus. God, I want to pray for every financial situation, the victory of Jesus. God, we want to pray for the problems in our community. We speak the victory of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is making everything new. Lord, for every broken relationship, Lord, for every broken family, we speak the victory of Jesus. And we worship you tonight. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. To you, Lord, be blessing and glory and honor and power and wisdom and dominion. Let's press into victory tonight.
sing of the victory of Jesus of all that he has done for us even though we are not deserving of all that he has given it's good to, to recognize and know it but the thing is as well your workplace needs the victory of Jesus your schools need the victory of Jesus Lurgan, Port of Dynacre Government, needs the victories of Jesus. I feel that the word I, I had at the start and where I was leading with Isaiah, coming back to it, we see it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. It says, And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And then we just see Isaiah's reaction. 
And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And maybe this is you. Isaiah here is in this place of going, Who am I? Who am I to be in the presence of God? Who am I to receive this great victory, this great love? And then a seraphim flew to me, having in his hands a burning coal that he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. This is the victory. This hot coal represents Jesus. And it's just as we remember Jesus when the bread and the wine touched our lips. We must remember that we are made, or our sins are atoned for, that we are made righteous under him. And now here, Isaiah was in this place of, of, who am I? Now he says, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. I feel like this is just a word for people here tonight. And maybe you're in a place of, who am I to be in the presence of God? Who am I to do this? But as we remember the victory of Jesus, it changes everything. As we encounter Jesus, everything changes. So we can stand and say, here am I, send me. So I'd love it if we actually just take a moment. And I'd love to pray that God would just even reveal places, reveal people to us right now who need to know this victory, who need to know the good news. Come and speak to us, God. I even ask that you would, would lift up your own prayers now and say, here am I, God. Here am I. Use me in my workplace. Use me where I am. So take a moment to, to ask God to reveal stuff and uh, to pray those prayers. finish off by by singing and standing tall and declaring and saying here am I ready to go (laughs) ready to go out carrying this victory of Jesus and telling everyone that we know of the good news that he has to offer
feels like, like God is, is doing something in the room. Just sense that he's working in people's hearts. Mm. Just before we, we close and, and go, it would be great if we actually just, just take this opportunity to, to just open yourself up to God. <laughs> Wherever you are, just, just say, Lord, here I am. Open up your heart. Be ready to receive. These nights are to seek first to encounter him because encountering him will change your life completely. If you even want to just stretch out your arms and ask for more. Ask for more. so that we could have life and have it to its full. So God, we say more. Because you're a God of abundance. We open our hearts up and we say more, Lord. Let us receive more of you. More so that we can go out, Lord. We can be sent ones. We can say, here we are. Use me where I am. Use me to share this good news. So God, I even just pray for, for different people in the room. You would just burden their hearts. You would put a fire in their bones, God, that they'll find themselves this week, Lord, not being able to not share your name. That your name will be on their lips. That they will carry the throne room of heaven where they go. That the glory of God will fill all the earth. Thank you, Jesus. Raise us up and send us out. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk